Thanks to Indeed for sponsoring the Apple Bits XL. Indeed knows hiring needs to be cost-effective when you're running your own business. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. This episode of the Apple Bits XL is also sponsored by SaneBox, an AI-driven email management tool that saves the average user two and a half hours of time per week by seamlessly organizing and filtering emails. To start your free trial and get a $25 credit, visit SaneBox.com slash AppleBits today. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash AppleBits. And ZocDoc, it's the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. Go to ZocDoc.com slash AppleBits and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Plus, I'd like to thank Factor for sponsoring the show as well. Factor delivers delicious, fresh, never-frozen meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes. Head to Factor75.com slash AppleBits50 and use the code AppleBits50 to get 50% off. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 274. Now, for those of you who have not been on my YouTube channel and have checked, uh, I've been gone for basically two weeks because I got married, I went on a mini moon, I got back earlier this week, and so. There's a lot to catch up on. There's a lot of news that has happened while I've been gone, but a lot of things that have happened this week, like the release of all of the public betas for you all to try. So we're going to talk about some of those things. We obviously have some iPhone 15 things to talk about, uh, Apple working on larger displays, and yes, Apple Vision Pro and more. Just so much, so much to talk about. This is going to be a dense show. Also, because I've been gone for two weeks, we got four sponsors in this episode, but there's plenty of stuff to talk about. But before we get to that, let's get to some quick orders of business. I love when you all call in and are part of the show. So what do you got to do? Record a voice memo, send it in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z, your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about, what questions you have, and then send it in. I'll put it in the show and we'll talk about it. Applebitsshow at gmail.com. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support my content and how you have all kept me doing this for, geez, over five years and really part of my journey of being able to take a little time off and get married is because of you all. This supports the show, the podcast, the videos. You get early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show. Plus, we do contests, we do fitness challenges, we have a monthly live Zoom call exclusive for Patreon supporters. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong starting at $2 per month is how you support all my content. All right, so let's get into it. And yes, I am now officially married. I mean, I've talked about it a little bit, but I keep my private life pretty personal. People that follow me tight enough know that my lady of 12 years, we finally got married and it was incredible. It happened here in Southern California. So it was amazing. And now we get back to the grind. We get back to putting out content for you all. So the big stuff that happened just a couple days ago, by the time you listen to this, maybe even a day ago, is Apple released all the public betas for iOS 17, iPadOS 17, macOS 
Ventura, watchOS 10, tvOS 17. They did not release the software updates in any type of public form for the AirPods, which I actually think is probably some of the coolest, interesting stuff that they've done. But again, my biggest disclaimer is always put the betas on, don't put it on your primary phone in case you're worried about things kind of being weird, battery life going a lot faster, the draining a lot faster, some apps working that you used to have, certain functions working. Like, for example, when I was gone on my break, the Threads app came out. And so I put the Threads app on my phone. And then I also, when I came back, I put it on my secondary phone. But when I put the beta on that other phone, I can't attach photos to posts in the Threads app. Like little weird things like that will happen. So I'm just saying, the disclaimer is, install at your own risk and then live with the results or just don't put it on your primary device. That's that's just kind of my rules to live by. But iOS 17, obviously kind of a lot of different things here and there. We talked about it after WWDC, but just to kind of give you a fresher, I think the biggest feature, quite honestly, in iOS 17, uh, right off the top of my head, has to be standby mode. And not all of you may use this yet, but this is where when you have the iPhone resting in landscape mode and it is being charged, a new kind of display will show. And this is really a sneak peek of what we believe Apple is experimenting and playing with, with this idea of a, I guess we could call it a modular smart display that may and most likely will be coming from Apple down the road. I mean, we've seen what Google has done with the Pixel tablet and having this tablet that attaches to a speaker base and then can be used either as a smart home hub, but also just pulled off and be used as a tablet. This is a no-brainer idea that really every company that makes a tablet should steal and take, and Apple has the ecosystem to support it. So I'm 100% the idea of Apple adapting this standby feature beyond the iPhone, right? taking it to tablets and larger form factors. And the iPhone has always been the center of their universe. And so it makes sense for them to try it here. Uh, You have different displays like clock, temperature, you get notifications. There's different, uh, there's like a night mode. You you can kind of swipe through and have it be a standby screen that shows off pictures and different widgets that you can customize. It's And right now it's only just like on a small iPhone screen that, pretty much shows two pieces of information on each side. So I think that's pretty cool. Just a new functionality that we can actually use in how many of you charge your phone and have it near your bed stand, your nightstand. This is going to be something that people use a lot. Contact posters, really fun. Customize it, make it. It creates this new kind of contact that you can send to other people that they can receive. You've also got live voicemail, which from a day-to-day use case, people don't call us as much. But the fact that it real-time transcribes that voicemail, lets you see what someone is saying, and then you could pick it up in the middle of that voicemail or just directly send it to voicemail, you could do that. I mean, I don't know about you. The only person I sometimes send to voicemail, which I talked about, is my mama. You have adaptive audio with the AirPods Pro 2, which which is a part of the iOS 17 beta, but according to Apple, won't be fully rolled out until the fall. So we'll wait and see what happens with that. But I'm excited about adaptive audio because this is a new feature that is going to be able to real time. We already have transparency mode and how it protects your ears from some of these uh, 
noises that hit these high level decibel levels that are damaging to your ear, let's say like construction hits, maybe a loud siren. Well, adaptive audio is going to be able to incorporate that technology in addition to add in noise canceling, in addition to be able to see when you have a conversation and talk to someone, the the noise canceling will go away, the adaptive audio will come into play, you'll be able to talk to someone. But what's interesting is this whole idea of adaptive audio and all of these audio features pretty much kind of working on and off at the same time, depending on the context of where you are and who you're talking to. Apple wants us to basically keep our AirPods in our ears all the time. And I think what's really interesting about this is this is like a different type of behavioral change that Apple is hoping that we adapt and adopt. Uh, This is something that we've seen how certain features have not taken off because people just don't end up using them. I would say forced touch is one of those things. And when you're trying to ask someone to change their behavior, it takes a lot. And Apple is one of those few companies that can push things in that direction. But I still feel awkward talking to someone, even with transparency mode on, with earbuds on. I, I naturally, instinctually take them out because I feel like it's rude. And with adaptive audio, Apple's trying to say, hey, it's not rude. Just talk to people. So I think that's going to be really interesting. Other features, you got offline Apple Maps. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be huge for people that are using Maps and getting a place without signal. And then the fun little little tweaks to messages and the new stickers and interactive widgets. There's a whole lot there, but we've talked about it. I don't want to go into it too deep, but I think for me, the top two, uh, top three would be standby mode for sure, adaptive audio when it gets released, and then contact posters is fun, but I, I think there's something catchy to it. We also got iPad OS. Not as major, but you're finally going to be able to create lock screens much like you did in iOS 16 with the iPhone that is now coming over to the iPad. You do have widgets and live activities and interactive widgets that is happening on both the iPhone and the iPad. You get a larger health app, uh, new features of the PDFs, and then Stage Manager, which is that new UI and user experience to manage multiple windows. It gives you a little bit more customizability for resizing and placing apps in that stage manager format. I, I'm i still not someone who uses it at all, and it's an option, but I just never use it. Obviously, we talked about it a lot beforehand, the big changes to watch OS 10. I've installed it on one of my watches, and I think it's stellar. I think this is the cleanest um, implementation of watch OS that we've ever seen. They've even remapped how you access some of the features. For example, you can always swipe from the bottom of the screen to reveal the um, the control center. But now that you have the digital crown and you have that button below the digital crown, that button below the digital crown is now the button that takes you directly to control center. So you just tap it, and then when you when you turn the digital the digital crown, it shows you widgets that you can customize that are overlaid on top of the screen. I think this implementation of their widgets is really slick, really nice. The OS actually feels snappier and faster. Uh, you now you edit your watch faces a little different. You do no longer can just swipe through them on the on the watch face instantly. You have to actually do a long press and then swipe through them, so you won't get any accidental watch face changes. But WatchOS 10 with their whole new widget system, and even they've changed how some apps appear. I think it's really nice. You also get two watch faces, 
the Snoopy watch face, which was actually really cool. Um, really charming. And then this cool colored palette Apple watch face. Overall, though, it it is a new way to use the Apple watch. I think it's a cleaner, sleeker implementation and just makes it better. And so I don't think it's groundbreaking, but it is really nice. And, you know, Apple's getting back to their roots. When they first launched the Apple Watch, widgets was a big thing and it wasn't really implemented as well. Now, with more processing power, the ability to overlay things on top of each other, uh, it works very nicely. And I did not, I have so far have not felt like it is lagged in any way, shape, or form. We also have Mac, oh, I, did I say Ventura earlier? My goodness. I meant Mac OS Sonoma. Very subtle tweaks, right? You you have new lock screens and desktop wallpaper, some of them that Apple is providing to give you kind of this elegant new landscapes and nature scenes. Um, you have continuity to add things like your iPhone widgets to your desktop without, without having to install those corresponding apps on your Mac. So we got widgets, widgets, widgets across the board. There's new video conferencing features with a Mac where you can kind of present an overlay on top of your presentation behind you. Um, messages still getting the same tweaks. PDFs and notes getting the same tweaks. Uh, gaming, a very subtle thing, but game mode now is automatically giving your game's top priority to the CPU and the GPU of your Mac. So that's lowering the usage for any background tasks and is also reducing latency with wireless accessories like your AirPods and your controllers so you get better responsiveness. We, we've we heard Apple really invest in gaming. There's also a new porting tool to make it easier for pre-built games to be adapted to Apple's metal framework. So that's you know using those tools to optimize gaming now from other platforms and porting them over to the Mac. We'll see, again, they're putting the tools out there. We will see how many developers jump on that and how easy it is and how many resources they really want to push towards the Mac. Because even if Mac gets more serious about gaming, which they are, the fact is that the actual games have to be serious about the Mac and not come out three or four years later, but at the same time, or even within six months of their release on consoles or the PC. And that still isn't happening and still hasn't happened. So we will, we'll wait to see. I said it earlier, and I think the sleeper feature, the sleeper OS OS of this entire series is absolutely tvOS. Now, you if you have an Apple TV, you can actually play around and install the public beta on it. From my experience, it's worked really well. The first thing you'll notice is instead of five little apps, you can now fit six across the rows. So it gives you more access to apps, but they're doing different things with... You know, the control center is refined, but I like what they're doing with using FaceTime on a large TV screen and just propping your phone somewhere. It feels really cool, and it's just with all the hardware you have. They're doing things with, uh, you know, Apple Music. If you sing a song, you can toss it up to the big screen, the lyrics show. I know it sounds like, oh, will I actually do that? But they're really trying to make tvOS more of an entertainment platform, and you're starting to see them plant these seeds with the hardware they have. The new six apps across, is that a game changer? No, but is it nice? Yes, and I think out of all the devices, sure, the iPhone is going to be the most impactful Apple because that's the main device that all of us use every day. The Apple Watch will be nice, 
Um, I think it is nice, but I'm not like blown away by it, but I really do enjoy what they've done. But tvOS surprised me because I think we've just seen such subtle improvements over time. And now we're starting to see like, huh, Apple seems to be taking this platform a lot more seriously than I recall. And so just keep your eye out on it. I think those of you that have an Apple TV are going to enjoy what it can do. And if you have families and friends that you spend long chats with, I think the FaceTime on a big screen TV, that that's going to be a pretty stellar killer feature. So all the public betas are out today. They were out, I think, a day before today. So if you have devices or you care to take the risk and put it on your primary device, obviously back up your device first and then do it. Um, and then use it at your own risk and don't complain if certain apps don't work or if your battery life is really bad because it's a beta. All right, let's take a break for two of our sponsors, Factor. Okay, this company delivered me the freshest pre-prepared meals that I've ever had. There were dishes on it like sun-dried tomato chicken. There was a turkey chili and zucchini. And they both hit the spot because these are always fresh and never frozen meals. So now that we're in the thick of summer, you might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals to support those sunny, active days. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit that can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You're going to save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. Now, Factor offers delicious flavor-packed options to fit a variety of lifestyles from keto to calorie smart. If you're vegan plus veggie and protein plus each chef prepared meal has all the ingredients that you need to feel satisfied all day long while meeting your goals. So you got to head to factor75.com slash applebits50 and use code applebits50 to get 50% off. So if you're too busy with your summer plans to cook, but you want to make sure you're eating well with factor, you, you just skip that extra trip to the grocery store. You skip the chopping, the prepping and the cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Again, factor is fresh. It is never frozen. That's huge. The meals are ready in just two minutes. I popped it in the microwave. It's good to go. So all you have to do is heat it up, enjoy it, and then get back outside. Soak up that warm, sunny weather. So ready to feel your best while making the most out of your summer adventures? Stick to your wellness goals with premium, ready-to-eat meals featuring high-quality ingredients such as broccolini, leeks, and asparagus. Treat yourself to 34-plus weekly restaurant-quality options like bruschetta shrimp risotto, green goddess chicken, and grilled steakhouse filet mignon. Again, they're never frozen. You pop them in, they're ready in just two minutes, and they taste great. Every meal I had was legit tasty and good. So head to factor75.com slash applebits50 and use the code applebits50 to get 50% off. That's code applebits50 at factor75.com slash applebits50 to get 50% off. You got that? Good. Do it. It's worth it. Also, thanks to SaneBox, this is an email management software that lets you work smarter in your inbox save time, and focus on things that are more important than email. SaneBox is all about saving you time and helping you stress less on email. Using this proprietary AI, SaneBox organizes your incoming emails into appropriate folders. So when you open your inbox, you'll only see the important emails without lifting a finger. It's like a smart assistant with years of experience who knows what's important to you. Now, on average, this saves the average user between two to four hours each week by seamlessly 
organizing and filtering emails. SaneBox works with any email client. That also means you don't have to change email clients to take advantage of all of SaneBox's benefits. Now, as a trial user, SaneBox even offers a free one-to-one SaneBox concierge service where you can sit down with one of their email experts to review process steps for managing your email and setting up SaneBox to match your workflow. Now, I found that it just helps sort the emails that matter to me and those that don't. And, you know, I still check them and then move messages when I need to. So it learns. It's just an easy label in my Gmail that I peek at every day. So start your free trial and get a $25 credit. Visit SaneBox.com slash AppleBits today. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash AppleBits. All right, T, should we talk about the iPhone 15 now? Again, you know, I've been gone for two weeks. So we're going to play a little catch up because, yes, this is a weekly show, but if you've heard some of this stuff, cool. If you haven't, cooler. But we're going to get into it. These are not big, ground-shaking stories about the iPhone 15, but the new iPhone 15 Pros, one of those colors, or maybe the extra limited color that will be part of the family of the iPhone 15 Pro, right? Typically, we get the gold color, the silver color, the space gray color. We get all that. Well, according to Unknown Z21, a source that has provided multiple details on colors from the past. The iPhone 15 Pro will come in blue, but it'll be like a different blue, more of like a dark blue with a gray tone color because this new phone also will be available in this new rumored titanium material. So the blue shade is going to have a brushed finish that is unlike the stainless steel that Apple has had in the past, according to Unknown Z. 21. Um, The color is still similar to the blue that Apple used for the iPhone 12 Pro models that everyone loved, but it does appear to be a little darker, a little grayer to complement that titanium finish, a little more neutral. And so if you're hoping for something cool and something different, or if you always wanted Apple to keep a blue iPhone in the mix, the iPhone 15 Pro appears to be bringing a new blue. Now we also know the iPhone kind of the 15. And the 15 Pro's top rumored features, USB-C port, finally, that will support at least USB 3.2 or Thunderbolt 3. So that would give you faster data transfer speeds over a wired connection. And I'm telling you, we've been needing this for a while because those 4K files, those ProRes files that were taken on these phones, they're big. There's a new action button that can potentially be customizable, similar to the Apple Watch. That'll be on top of the volume button rocker and also could serve as um, the ring silent switch. There's no kind of physical switch. It'll be a button, but also could be maybe held down longer for a customizable action. A titanium frame, we allude to A17 bionic chip. This is what's most exciting about that feature for me is that this is expected to be based on the new advanced three nanometer process. So that's gonna give you more performance better power efficiency improvements across the board compared to previous uh, A-series chips in the iPhone. Also, there's been reports that some of these phones will have larger batteries inside. So if you get a more efficient processor and a larger battery, could we get a jump of maybe not even an hour, but maybe two hours or three hours? Because from a technical standpoint, from what we've seen or what we've heard, this phone isn't going to do so much different from a horsepower standpoint, but maybe we're going to actually even get more battery life. And I think if there's anything that these new iPhones can do to 
Because let's be real, phones are plateauing. Bigger, better battery life. I think that's number one. That that arguably might be number one on the list. And then you also have this idea of ultra thin bezels. Yes, on an iPhone 15 Pro Max, the reported periscope camera lens to give you more zoom. I think those would be the two that stand out for me. Significantly better battery life and then a better camera with more than a two or three optical zoom. Like we need to get past that, guys and gals. Like look at what's out on the market. Apple is trailing significantly when it comes to optical zoom in. If you're like, oh, I don't need it. Trust me, once you get it, the compositions that you can come, that you can put together, uh, even if I was at my wedding, it was off this coast. And when you zoom in, there were dolphins swimming in the ocean, okay? And here in Southern California, and I'm, I zoomed in, I'm like, damn, that S23 Ultra 10X optical zoom would have come in real handy right now. Instead, you're like, oh, okay, I can see them. Yeah, but it, it's not that great. So we'll see what happens. Also, uh, if, you know, there's a lot of Apple users that are Tesla users as well. I'm not one of them. My lady has a Tesla, but I don't. Well, evidence of Apple AirPlay was found in the latest version of Tesla's iPhone app. We know that Elon Musk has at times kind of tweeted and signaled that Apple, that they've been thinking and pondering and playing with the idea of bringing AirPlay and we'll see. But, you know, we know Tesla is their own ecosystem. You know, Tesla is trying to be like, the Apple of the car space where they want their own ecosystem. They want to keep it closed. Although they have been now opening up their uh, supercharging to other car manufacturers like Rivian, GM, and Ford, I think are the three that are on board. And to me, they should just open it up just to make all that money. But, you know, there must clearly there's terms and agreements that these manufacturers have come to that Tesla wants and not everyone has done it yet. So there's no signs of airplay for the the Tesla app on iPhone working yet, but a Twitter user named a Tesla iOS app, not related to the actual app, um, decompiled the latest version of the Tesla iPhone app to discover a reference that says allows AirPlay for media playback. And this would be big because AirPlay, remember, is sending the data over Wi-Fi. So that could support 24-bit, 48 kilohertz audio playback over wi-fi and maybe the ability for multiple users to control not necessarily control but you know direct different songs or podcasts over to a tesla system and i think that would be very very nice also mark german continued to drop little nuggets here and there i mean he he had all the all the business about the apple vision pro and we will talk about that in a little bit but a larger iMac now with more specifically around a 32-inch display is reportedly in early testing. Now, on our last podcast, I believe, or around that time, there were reports that Gurman said, hey, Apple's working on a larger iMac with an over 30-inch display. Well, he has now specifically specified that the display will be around the same 32-inch size as Apple's high-end Pro Display XDR monitor. Now, that display was released back in 2019, but... This iMac with a 32-inch display is now in development and is reportedly in early testing, but the expectation for it to come anytime soon, don't count on it, um, does not expect them to launch until late 2024 or maybe even at some point at 2025 at the earliest. And what we've seen is Apple has been taking their time with their products to make sure that they're in a better place. I mean, we heard 
reports about the Apple Vision Pro as far back as being released and showcased at WWDC last year. And then we finally saw it this year, a year later. So they don't need to rush these things. You know, these things aren't selling like hotcakes. They're selling in solid numbers, but nothing like we've got to feed the beast. So take your time. But I know so many of you ask me all the time about when are they going to do an iMac Pro? I put in the air, air quotes Pro. Who knows if they call it Pro or not, but a 32-inch iMac beast, uh, that's, and with, let's say at the time, maybe an M3 processor, probably an M3 Pro processor, what else does anyone need at that point for most people as a dedicated home machine? And that you're going to be able to do crazy video on that 32-inch display. Apple's also reportedly working on a Mac monitor that becomes a smart home display when idle. That is also, according to Bloomberg's Mark German. So in his Power On newsletter, he said that Apple's developing multiple new monitor offerings. Some are likely to be you know, the successor to the studio display and the Pro Display XDR, but one could have smart standby features that are powered by an onboard iOS chip. We talked about Apple playing with standby on the iPhone. Now, I'm not saying that we want a 32-inch display to be on all the time like standby, but if it could be used as some sort of a smart home hub, which would be, hey, what if there's an iMac in the kitchen or the living room and it also becomes a hub when maybe the screensaver goes on? We don't know for sure, right? But there's already a dedicated A13 chip in the current 27-inch studio display. But my biggest criticism of that device was, hey, uh, you got an A13 in there? Why don't you allow us to use that just as purely a Apple TV media consumption device and give us the Apple TV app and that whole user interface because there's a lot of college students, there's a lot of people in smaller living spaces where a 27-inch display is their primary display. So why not, if there's an Apple chip inside there, give us the functionality. You know, we have Samsung who has a smart display and they have their whole, they have their whole smart TV platform on their display is accessible as well. Apple needs to do something like that. It's kind of like a no-brainer. So using an iOS chip in here would obviously give it a lot more functionality. And then the fact is by the time that these smart, smarter Mac monitor slash displays come out, they're going to be powered by a lot better age series chip. So uh, we'll see how this happens. German says not to expect any kind of release until 2024 at the earliest. So my thinking would be that, um, yeah, we're probably talking about 20, early 2025. There, There is, again, these are not displays that everyone is clamoring for, and everyone's pretty happy about it. I mean, the current LED backlit displays, yes, they're not mini LED. They're also not OLED, but they're doing just fine. Also. You want to hear a little bit of iPad Pros? We know that OLED displays are expected to be coming to the lineup eventually, but not anytime soon. Apple suppliers report they will begin mass production of the new 11-inch and 13-inch iPad Pro models with OLED displays in the first quarter of 2024. So if they're starting production then, that would mean that these would be available later on in 2024. When I did kind of an overview of Apple's product lineup, my hunch was that we would not see a new iPad Pro in 2023. I could be wrong, but right now it's using the M2 chip inside. 
But the next big jump for this series would be to bring some type of improvement. They already have mini LED displays on the Pro line, but bringing OLED displays would give you better brightness, higher contrast ratio, deeper blacks, better color accuracy, and lower power consumption. Just across the board, significant improvement in visuals and power consumption. Uh, so that is, you know, more than anything, the next jump for the iPad. And we've already seen them release Final Cut Pro, or sorry, Final Cut. <laughs> and, um, oh my gosh, why why am I, um, not Pro Tools, Logic, Final Cut and Logic, specifically for the iPad and with the power that's already on it. I mean, that that allows it to become a more useful productivity tool on the go. So this OLED display, exciting, but let's not expect it to become coming anytime. And then also we've heard about OLED displays coming to the MacBook Pro lineup, but reports are expecting that to happen to be sometime in a MacBook Pro in as far out as 2027. So let's just not let's not talk about that. Let's let's just not even get ahead of ourselves and start even thinking about that. Okay. I'm just gonna just gonna ask you to erase that from your mind. All right, let's take a moment to thank the other two sponsors of this podcast, starting off with Indeed. What's a game where no one wins? The waiting game. Duh, like when it comes to hiring, don't wait for great talent to find you. You gotta find them first with Indeed because when you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed makes hiring in one place so easy, even right from the main page. Type in the type of jobs you're looking for in the search bar and a list instantly shows up for jobs in your area. Now let's talk about Indeed's hiring platform that is second to none. Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search, according to US Indeed data. It gets you one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates. Indeed does the hard work for you. Indeed shows you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. And Indeed's hiring platform matches you with quality candidates instantly. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring platform delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to TalentNest 2019. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire the great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer good for a limited time. Again, claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Indeed. Dot com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. And thanks again to ZocDoc for also sponsoring the podcast. Let's say you're trying to find a cause for your symptoms, an achy back with a sore throat, and you stumble down this TikTok rabbit hole full of questionable advice from a so-called experts. You know there are better ways to get the answers you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not random people on the internet. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. Surprise twists might work for some podcasts, but maybe not for medical care. With ZocDoc, there are no alarms and no surprises. Choose from thousands of patient-reviewed doctors and specialists Browse doctor profiles, upload and verify your insurance information, and get the care you need. Go to ZocDoc.com slash AppleBits and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That is Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash AppleBits. ZocDoc.com slash AppleBits. 
All right. Hey, let's talk some Apple Vision Pro, just some of the news that has happened while I've been gone. A little catch up for all of us here. So, you know, one of the biggest things that I talked about when I tried on the Apple Vision Pro was the comfort. And it isn't the most comfortable for me using long term. And I'm going to let them figure it out before I give it the final verdict. But for me, around 10 or 15 minutes, I started feeling the weight, you know, in the front of it. And it didn't get better, but I'm but I was so enthralled by the experience that I wanted to check it out. But I knew I was like, oh, I can't wear this for an hour. I can't wear this for two hours. And if there's one of the features that I really want to use it for would be watching movies and feeling immersed in a plane on while traveling or on the go or even at home if I want to experience something like that. So when Apple unveils that Vision Pro at WWDC, remember they didn't have an over-the-head strap that was shown anywhere. It was just even shown for like one quick second uh, during their promo video when a gentleman was taking a spatial video, one of those 3D video clips of his children. That was the only time we saw that head strap. Also, people that were able to try on the Vision Pro got to try on a version with a head strap. And that that head strap is not, according to reports, a final design or final accessory. It wasn't even mentioned by the marketing team at all. So it does have right the material kind of headband on the backside that has an adjustment dial to tighten, but that overhead one, which is really going to kind of balance some of the weight that is on the the main eyepiece of, of the Vision Pro, that secondary head strap, that's going to be really important. And Apple just hasn't, apparently, according to Gurman, fine-tuned that secondary head strap. Uh, it was just, you know, different people are going to get different results. And fit is going to be a huge thing the weight and the comfort. So we're going to see how how that happens. Apple still hasn't even technically revealed the weight of the Vision Pro. They say it's over a pound. Um, did it? I can't really honestly tell you right off the bat if it felt heavier or lighter than something like a Quest 2. They kind of felt about the same from what I could recall, but I don't know that. And offloading the battery as a separate battery, I mean, that shows how much heavier it would have been if a battery was included in it. So they're trying to keep the headset as light as possible. Um, We'll see how this goes. There's even reports that maybe Apple might be reaching out to accessory makers to create some kind of, uh, because the Apple battery pack is heavy for the Vision Pro, creating something like shoulder-worn pouches uh, or like a a bandolier-type strap where the the battery would rest. It's really interesting, but this, this whole fit is one of the biggest issues fit and feel and comfort is going to be one of their biggest challenges. I I also think that, I don't know about you all, but obviously I was super hyped about the Apple Vision Pro. It is still one of the best pieces of tech that I've ever tried in all my years of trying on anything, quite honestly. Uh, You know, one of those few moments where I was truly mind blown. Um, Even if it wasn't the most comfortable, I was still mind blown. I still stand by that today, but I don't know about you all. Has that glow been kind of coming down? Has the reality of seeing the fact that it starts at $3,499, has that started to be like, I don't really know if I want that. And now that WWDC has passed, you know, the, the energy around it is a little slower. I think to me, this is where the developers that get to play and use this, it's going to be up to the developers to show us some incredible stuff maybe sometime later this year before the end of the year to get us kind of juiced 
about the Apple Vision Pro. Will Apple take time during the fall event to be like, hey, we showed you the Vision Pro in June. Let's see what some of our developers have come up with. Let's show you more of our Apple immersive video platform, which according to multiple reports, the Apple has been using these 8K cameras that capture 3D at Taylor Swift concerts. Uh, also to record some of their Apple TV Plus shows. So they're positioning this as a content device, which is super smart because that is one of the most compelling aspects of the Apple Vision Pro. But again, even at that, I mean, how are you thinking about it right now? Has your mind after the glow has worn off? Are you thinking now, okay, everything sounds awesome. I haven't tried it for myself. It sounds awesome, but after tax, dropping $4,000 on something like this, will it really change how I compute? Do I want to change how, do I need it? I, I, do, do we need the Apple Vision Pro? If, if that's the biggest question, okay, you could always say, do we need anything? But I would say, at least we need a computer in today's day and age. You could even get away with not even having a computer and just have an iPhone and do everything you need to for most people. Uh, I think the, the logical answer for 99% of people is you do not need an Apple Vision Pro. And you might want one, but you want one for $4,000 after tax. I feel like the hype energy, people just aren't talking about it as much right now. And so I wonder how, how you all feel about that. So we got some cool details about the Apple Vision Pro. This is according to a report from the Korea Herald and talks about a new type of dynamic random access memory or DRAM that has been custom designed to support Apple's R1 input processing chip. Now, what 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 am I talking about here? Well, remember, when Apple showcased the Apple Vision Pro, there are two chips that are working together, right? You have the main processor, that is going to be the M2. So that's responsible for um, processing the content, running the Vision OS operating system, um, executing computer vision algorithms, and giving you all that graphical content. Well, you have the secondary chip that supports it, which is the R1 chip that is processing all the information coming from the 12 cameras, all the different sensors, the six microphones in the headset. And that's what streams those images into the displays within 12 milliseconds. That is super fast, eight times faster than the blink of an eye and providing the wearer with what I talked about. This feels like a real-time, virtually lag-free view of the world. And again, you're not looking through the glasses at the real world. You're getting a video feed of the real world and it really has to feel real time and it absolutely does with the Apple Vision Pro which is one of the most impressive things about it. So to support the R1 and its high speed requirements this headset will portably use a 1 gigabit low latency DRAM chip supplied by SK Hynix and that features an increased number of input and output pins to minimize the delays it is specially for this headset and again Apple's starts at $3,499 uh, will go on sale early next year. We even heard the reports that Apple may limit some of the production to fewer than 400,000 units. I think the initial goal was to put out 1 million units, but because of the complexity of building these, the displays, I mean, th this is top of the line technology that we haven't seen in any VR, or let's call it headsets. There's a lot of stuff here that we just haven't seen before. And so it's going to take time for them to figure this out, but the reports recently came out that Apple may limit the production to fewer than 400,000 units. Um, that's just because of also the supply chain and these 
micro OLED displays that are for the wearer's eyes. You got also that outer facing curved lenticular lens. Um, Apple's been pretty much forced to make production cuts because of the availability of this new high-end tech. Now, also reports say the Apple Vision Pro is set to launch in the U.S. early next year. So lucky for all of us in the U.S., but Apple's also discussing the U.K., and Canada as two of the first international markets to get the headset by the end of 2024. A final decision hasn't been made, according to Mark Gurman at Bloomberg. Um, In his report, though, he said Apple's looking at bringing the Vision Pro to Europe and Asia soon after, and Apple engineers are working to localize the devices for France, Germany, Australia, China, Hong Kong, Japan, and Korea. There's also the expectation that Apple will sell the Vision Pro through a very curated like I kind of expected, hands-on personal experience through its U.S. online stores in early 2024 before expanding anywhere else, even expanding online. And, you know, they, they, the expectation is that this will be a in-store appointment to purchase the Vision Pro to get measured, right? There's an iPhone app that scans a person's head. There's, a, you know, a machine that will check your vision to hopefully get the proper lens to match that for people that wear glasses. I mean, this is going to be a very complex, intricate process. And to get the right fit, right? You have, what do they call it? The light? I can't remember. It's the frame around your eyes, not the light spill, but I forgot what they call it. But it, you know, it's the seal, light seal. They call it the light seal that goes directly across your face to block out any incoming light from impacting the experience. That is going to be a specific shape. Uh, it'll be different for different people. We don't know the final verdict about the headband over the top, the weight distribution, all that is still up in the air. So they've got a lot of things to nail down. And I think what they showed us was incredible, but they still have a lot of things to fine tune and really get in place. And again, 4,000 bucks, 4,000 bucks. All right, we got a few new other stories. Um, We've talked about Apple turning your phone and kind of really pushing forward this whole digital ID initiative you know, we already have plane tickets and movie passes and credit cards, but, you know, getting a digitized government issued ID, there's still very few states that allow you to do this. I believe right now it's Arizona, Colorado, Maryland, and Georgia. Now I was traveling on my mini moon after getting married. We went to Hawaii and at the TSA pre, they have these new machines that actually accommodate the digital ID, but most people can't use it. You know, you just basically have your phone, pull it up and show it. But I would say everyone that went through that security gate, no one had a digital ID because again, Arizona, Colorado, Maryland, and Georgia, but airports are starting to get the systems that can start reading them. Apple said in 2021 that Connecticut, Iowa, Kentucky, Oklahoma, and Utah are also committed to this feature. And so this is something that's still going to take time to roll out. But I think right now, uh, airports that do support it I talked about Hawaii that I just saw, Denver International Airport, Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport, Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport, and Baltimore Washington's International Thurgood Marshall Airport. Those are airports that are um, supporting the digital IDs as well. So just something to think about. Also, 2024 could include new emojis. Wait, hold on. I didn't say it right. Emojis! So this could include like the shaking head, um, a brown mushroom, the phoenix, like the firebird phoenix, a lime, and breaking chains. Now, I don't know if you know, but July 17th, I think, what do they call it? Like, 
is it World Emoji Day or like whatever the equivalent of National Emoji Day? That's coming July 17th. So get ready, everybody. Hold on to your butts. But the, these new characters I talked about could be included in the new Emoji 15.1 specification that the Unicode Consortium will be approving this September and then will likely make it to Apple's iOS in what it, that would be 17, typically 17.1. No, no, no. iOS, is it 17.1? Yeah, 17.1. Um, there are reportedly 100 new directional emojis. Most of these are the people emojis with multiple skin tones, but some of these new ones, again, a shaking head, a fire phoenix, a brown mushroom, a lime, chains breaking. Get ready if any of you have been waiting all your life for those emojis. I'm just saying, get ready. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. Also, a, a new update, upcoming update in macOS 13.5, which is macOS Ventura, is resolving a syncing issue with the third generation, fourth generation iPod Shuffle, the little square guy that some people wore like a watch before the Apple Watch was even a thing and ran a cable from their wrist to their ear because that was cool. The update is currently in beta testing and will be likely released earlier this month. Um, Apple discontinued the iPod Shuffle in 2017, right? This is a niche bug fix, but when you hear about this, it's like brings back that nostalgia for the miniature music player. I mean, I loved when Apple went to those little mini shuffles. Those are really sweet. Even the Nanos, they had the Nanos that were like uh, little squares for a little while as well. Um, just to let you know, the original shuffle, just to throw back and think about nostalgia, the original iPod shuffle, which is like that that rectangular white plastic guy launched in 20, sorry, launched in 2005. The first iPod without a screen, and then it evolved into a more portable design, and you had the iPod Shuffle, lighter than a pack of gum, and cost less than $100. Steve Jobs pitched it back then. Uh, so macOS 13.5 will probably be one of the final updates to macOS Ventura, but it will support, it will resolve a syncing issue with the third generation and fourth generation iPod Shuffle. If any of you are still using that today, you're incredible. I don't know why you're using it. You can maybe help explain that to me, but thank you. Thank you for your service. <laughs> All right, everybody, that is gonna do it for this week's episode, playing catch up. I'm back. I'll be back on the weekly routine. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We also gotta give a big thanks to our Platinum Apples at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Michael Gigliotti, Atari Koenigsegg, and Glenn Canellis. Thank you so much. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support. Thank you all for riding this out. Thank you. For, I mean, I'm back. It's like, it is weird to be gone for two weeks because I was completely off the grid, but it's good to be back. And July is going to be a pretty thick tech month. Then you got the buzz of September, October, even kind of into November. The tech world is going to be on fire for the rest of the year, but that's why we love all this stuff. And uh, thank you for allowing me to be a part of it with you all. And we keep on checking along. So I'm back. I'm back in the grind. So much stuff coming up. And uh, just want to say thank you so much. Hey, remember, come back here. Same bat time, same bat channel. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Take care. Peace.